0: Hi, it's JP Mac and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative Hi, out there. I want to wish everybody a happy Mother's Day, belated uh, by the time you hear this, of course, but nonetheless, have a happy Mother's Day. I hope all the mothers out there have um, uh, shown been shown uh, proper appreciation. your efforts and we certainly appreciate I know I appreciate my mother for everything she did for me and I believe that most people feel the same so again happy belated Mother's Day to all of you out there so uh, last week was our season 3 recap I hope you got a chance to watch and or listen to it uh, if you haven't, I invite you to do so, um, particularly if you're new to the LR podcast and you're still wondering what the podcast is all about and what sort of things I talk about. The Season 3 recap is a perfect way for you to get an idea of the, of the kinds of things I talk about and my ideas about them. And so I would encourage you uh, to listen to the Season 3 uh, recap on Spotify, or on Rumble, or wherever you get your podcast. And so please, um, you know, after this podcast, of course, uh, go back and listen to the season three recap. And then hopefully you'll be inspired to listen to the podcast and watch it again. Today on the show, I want to talk to you about the left's uh, use or uh, misuse or even abuse of the English language, how they change words and the meaning of words and phrases to suit their needs. Um, you probably have read uh, George Orwell and you're familiar with the terms of double speak and double think uh, from 1984 and this is a uh, something that the left engage, engages in constantly. And so they change around the meaning of words like racist. The promiscuous use of that word has basically rendered it almost meaningless because if everything is racist, then nothing is racist. And so it gets watered down um, the more you use it and the more you use it improperly. And of course there's other terms, you know, like sexist, it's the same thing. Uh, the left uses the term sexist or sexism when they're not talking about things that most people would consider sexist. But, again, the idea is that any of these ist um, words, uh, racist, sexist, or, or whatever, you know, if you don't positively affirm their concept of what should be, then you are a racist or sexist or whatever it is that they're talking about. And so uh, I want to get into a little bit of the left's general misuse of the language. Actually, specifically um, in this episode, we're going to talk about how they misuse the term racist and racism. And so that, that's how um, um, I'm going to start by, um, there's an article. By uh, John Solomon or John Solomon reports that appears in Getter. So if you're following me at LR Podcast on Getter, you will see um, what I posted on this. So we'll start out by this because this caught my eye. Um, the headline says or the byline says um, the tat or you know the headline says. Uh, Biden says, quote, white supremacy is the, quote, most dangerous terrorist threat in Howard University speech. Just the news. Uh, Biden says white supremacy is the, quote, most dangerous terrorist threat in Howard. Um, So just repeating the the, uh, headline twice there, or the tag twice there. And so this is, um, you know, if you've been following, you know, any Democrat or leftist politician, particularly Biden, you've seen no no doubt noted his promiscuous use of the term um, racism or racist and using uh, white supremacy and talking about white nationalism and white supremacy and things like that and his abuse and, and misuse of these terms and so what the the left likes to do a lot of times is kind of bait and switch so they understand that the normal person has an understanding of these words or these terms and they're counting on that so that then when they use it like they use something you know, objectionable like um, most of us would consider racism for instance when they talk about racism you know we say okay well, we, we don't like that either um, yeah that, that certainly is bad um, but they're talking about something different they're talking about like Racism, you might call it racism plus. And I'll get more into that um, later on in the podcast. But I just want to um, talk about that first. And also I want to um, ask you this question kind of rhetorically. But I want for you to ponder is that if you believed that your ideology or your argument was the superior one, would you feel any need to change the words or terms or use deceptive terms in describing what you're talking about? Would you need, feel the need to to turn to change or deviate from the commonly understood uh, definitions of words and terms to win your argument? Um, I would submit that if your argument is a good one you don't have to change a lick of your uh, argument or your language. You you don't have to change the words uh, around the words or use deceptive uses of words or implications that people don't usually or inferences of words that people don't usually draw when they hear these terms. And So that's what I want to talk about today is how, um, and I'll just give you my thesis right now, which I think you can suspect, is that if the left thought that their arguments were truly superior and the rational mind would truly accept them as superior, then they wouldn't feel any need to use deceptive language or change the, the common notions or usage of words and such you know if they if they thought if they really thought they had the better argument they wouldn't have to change the argument of course the old uh... debater axiom is that if you control the language you control the debate and so the left um... takes that of course to the nth degree and so we're going to delve into that a little Uh, a little bit more here. So getting back to this article um, by John Solomon in Just the News, um, again he's talking about uh, President Biden's speech, a commencement address he made to uh, Howard University, so a traditionally uh, black university. And so Again, he's going to use terms like white supremacy. And he, but he's going to use them in a very deceptive way. And I'm, I'm going to explain to you what that is. Um, Biden says, quote, white supremacy is, quote, most dangerous terrorist threat in Howard University's speech. And I'm just going to... I'll read a little bit of the article for you. Uh, President Joe Biden said white supremacy is the quote most dangerous terrorist threat facing the United States while he gave a commencement address at Howard University, a historically black school. During his speech Saturday, Biden said racism is a quote battle that will never really be over. So I just want to stop there. And so I think right away you can you can sense what well, what is he talking about? Um when he's talking about uh what is white nationalism or how how is he you know um white supremacy is the most dangerous terrorist threat he's calling us. Um no you did not miss a whole string of white supremacists uh, bombings or killings or terrorist acts. No, you did not uh, fall asleep and miss a whole month's worth of news of uh, uh, white supremacist terrorist attacks happening. You did not miss that, okay, because they didn't happen, okay. And actually, white supremacist terrorists, particularly on the order of what we saw just a few years ago, coming from Islamist extremists. Um, like Al-Qaeda and ISIS in particular, you know, we haven't seen, you know, you just don't see that coming from uh, white supremacists, you know, there's no bombing that you forgot, or, you know, you know. at worst, now, maybe there have been a couple of mass shootings that might be uh, possible, but on the order of magnitude, like, we, you know, we had only about five years ago when ISIS was at their height. And it seems like every few weeks there was a major attack somewhere in the world. Um, that's not what you, that's, you know, he's trying to make you believe. You know, he's trying to gaslight you into thinking that, okay, well, white supremacists like neo-Nazis and the Ku Klux Klans have been doing the same thing that maybe you've heard about you know ISIS or Al Qaeda doing in the past uh decade. Um he's trying to gaslight you into thinking the same thing uh is occurring here. Obviously none. So like I said you didn't miss a whole string uh, of white supremacist attacks. You didn't miss um bombings or shootings or people running their their uh car into a group of people Um, You didn't hear any, you know, you didn't hear them bombing a train or crashing planes into a building. Uh, You didn't miss all those reports. Trust me when I tell you that. Okay, so he's, right away, he's gaslighting you. Why does he feel like he has to gaslight you, make you believe something that you know isn't true? So let's read more of the article and then we'll, we'll figure out together, hopefully. Um, uh, during his speech Saturday, Biden said racism is a battle that will never really, that's never really over. Biden also said, according to official White House transcript, that it is important to stand up against the poison of white supremacy, to single it out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. And I'm not saying this because. I'm um, at a black HBCU, historically black um, college university. I see it wherever I go, and indeed he is kind of telling the truth there. I mean, he's not just patronizing the people he's talking to in this instance. Uh, he likes to he talk about this um, wherever, wherever he goes. So he's not he's not lying there. Um, that's one of the few, one of the few um, truthfulness that I will, I'm willing to give him, I think, on, on, uh, regarding this speech. And so again, no, you know, he says, you need to stand up against the poison of white supremacy. Now, first of all, I think most libertarians, most conservatives, most people in general, if you live in the United States, you, you don't like white supremacy, okay? You're not... Um, one of those people who believes that one race is inherently superior to another, or some races are inferior to others, or should not be here, or whatever. Okay, most, um, count, uh, you know, counter to what the left believes of us, the vast, vast majority of conservatives, or Republicans, and Libertarians, and just normal, average, everyday Americans don't like white supremacy. They're not for anything the Ku Klux Klan stands for. They're not for segregation, which I think we'll, we'll get into later. Because um, there is a party, there is an ideology that is for segregation, but it's just not us. It's just not the conservatives. And perhaps we'll talk about that later. Um, we'll see what the article holds for us. Um, so then he goes on and says, Homeland Security... Uh, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on MSNBC Sunday agreed with Biden's comments. Well, of course he did. Uh, Domestic violent extremism is our greatest threat right now, Mayorkas said, adding, regrettably, we have seen a rise in white supremacy. And again, you may ask yourself, well, I haven't seen this, right? What's he talking about? What's Mayorkas talking about? What's this rise in white supremacy? And so that's what um, I want to to get at here. And, um, you know, when, when he says white supremacy, what exactly is he talking about? Okay, Um, so when Democrats talk about white supremacy, what they usually are referring to is actually Western civilization, free market capitalism, meritocracy, and Judeo-Christian values. How do you think that they can rationalize a black, Latino, or Asian person being a white supremacist? Uh, This is obviously leftist doublespeak, Orwellian doublespeak, or or doublethink. Okay, they're having two contradictory kind of thoughts, and so it's important that right away we see when when the left is talking about uh white supremacy, they're kind of talking in code to each other. In other words, they understand what they mean by it, but it's not what the average person, certainly not what you or I as conservatives or libertarians mean by it, who, people who understand the ordinary use of these terms as they are in the English language. Okay, because when you, when you and I, when any normal person talks about or thinks about white supremacy, we're probably thinking about the Ku Klux Klan, we're thinking about lynchings and cross burnings and segregation and Grim, Jim Crow laws and all that. And of course Republicans have been against all that from the very beginning you know, we were the anti-slavery party and of course Lincoln um, fought a war over slavery Lincoln was the first Republican president fought a war over sa- slavery and was killed for his efforts by a Democrat I might add. And so we've always been for the equal rights and against slavery, we've always been that party. Don't let anybody tell you any different don't again, don't fall for the brainwashing or the gaslighting. You know you h- hold slavery reprehensible. You know that's a good thing that our country has ridden itself of slavery uh well over a hundred years ago. you know we We know all of that to be true, and we hold these truths to be self-evident, as uh, someone else said. And so, you are know, getting back to what Democrats talk about when they say white supremacy, well they're, they're kind of meaning the same thing. Again, you know, the average person would think of the, the terms as the, you know, white person mean the white race believes that the white race is supreme or better than every other race, or that all other races are inferior. And we know, of course, that is not true. That is not a commonly held belief against most conservatives or most Republicans or even most Trump supporters. Now, of course, the left would have you believe otherwise, but, you know, who are you Who are you going to believe? Them or your lying eyes, right? So, so we know what we talk about again the normal average person um, hears those words and think well you know again KKK or neo-Nazis or someone really invested in the hatred of other races and we know that's not the case and you know we look around it's like who are these conservatives who are these so called Republican, MAGA Republicans or whatever ultra MAGA that president likes to talk about who are these people because I don't know any of them. You know I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of videos from prominent um, conservative voices and libertarian voices all the time. And on AM radio I hear conservative radio programs I'm I'm immersed in that. Probably you are too. Uh, A lot of you I know probably are too and and are you hearing the exception when you're not talking about you know, constant hate of different races or different nationalities and all of that? uh no, you're not you're listening to the exception. you're not listening to the only uh a m radio broadcast of a person who doesn't who's not a racist you know you're not following the only podcaster who's not a conservative racist um, because none of them are okay none of us are and you know if you want to call it a far-right thing then that's fine that's understand that's the extreme far-right that's not what you know you can listen to literally conservative podcasts conservative pod, hour and after hour of podcasts by prominent conservatives influential conservatives and. and Republican politicians, you know, Trump, and DeSantis, and Vic Ramswamy, and all of those, and everybody on AM radio, and you'll never hear a single racist utterance saying that white people are better or any race is inferior. You'll never hear that, and it doesn't matter if you listen to it every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days week, you're not going to hear it because it just doesn't happen and again this is the left and the democrats trying to gaslight you and so no um, you're not hearing the one conservative voice on the radio that's not a racist you know, when you're voting for a prominent conservative um, be it Trump or DeSantis or Ted Cruz, or whomever, you know, you're not voting for that one lone non-racist Republican. No. And you know that. But the left would have you believe that, well, first of all, that they would, those people are racist, and if if they're, you can't, if they can't convince you that those people are racist, then that those people are the exceptions and not the rule when it comes to Republicans and or uh, conservatives, and, but we know better. And so this is what uh, I'm talking about here when they do their abuse of the language. Now how do they, how do the uh, left and how the Democrats square this usage, this improper usage of terms like white supremacist and another one is Nazi or fascist, that's another one that I can go into. I could probably do a whole and I think I have done entire podcasts on just the mis- misuse of the word fascist by the left and talk about what real fascism is and how it compares more to the left's agenda or the Democrats' agenda than they would care to admit. But anyhow, getting back on the subject, um, again, talking about their improper use of words like white supremacist, white supremacy, and so. Country a little bit back on, more on the article, and just a minute to get it back up here, and okay, um. So and of course, as you can imagine, you know, not you know, people have heard this, uh, Republicans and other conservatives. I've heard this and so not just me and they've already said their piece and so I'm going to describe some of, the, of what they said cuz really it's it's just ridiculous. Again, this is like the biggest incident of gaslighting and misleading people that, you know, and coming from this president in particular, that's saying a lot. Okay. But um so let's get some of the uh Uh, Republican and conservative backlash, as they like to call it. Um, So Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy said, quote, Biden says the biggest threat to our homeland isn't fentanyl, it isn't China, it's white supremacy. This is utterly deranged, and yes, Vivek is totally correct on that point. Our radio host, Clay Travis, tweeted, quote, Joe Biden says the most dangerous threat to America is white supremacy. I mean, this is completely bonkers. Did anyone talk like this in the 1980s, 1990s, 2000s, or in the 2010s? Of course not. Yet suddenly white supremacy is the biggest threat, and they have the biggest threat in all capital letters in America. I don't even think it's one of the 50 biggest threats, and so that's basically it. Um, apparently, this goes on. Madeline Hubbard is an international correspondent for Just the News, so Madeline Hubbard wrote this article. So I like brief articles. So anyhow, but you know, uh, Clay Travis is is correct also. Um, you didn't hear any of this talk. This is simply a made up talking point. That's, there's really no other way to put it. This is simply fantasy. It's simply scapegoating. Okay? And so this is basically trying to demonize an entire voting class or an entire uh, party. Okay? And did anybody talk about this in the 80s? Well, no. Of course, we were talking about the real threat. We all knew the real threat, even the liberals and Democrats at the, at the time um, that weren't part of the threat, I should say. Uh, the, the, if they weren't part of the threat, then they understood that the real threat was communism and socialism, uh, particularly from coming from the, soci- the Soviet Union. And also in the 90s, nineties too in the early nineties so she, the Soviet union fell, and so the biggest threat then started to evolve with Islamic extremists of course, it was in the nineties where when we had the first attack on the world trade center and of course two thousand two thousand one we had the 9 nine eleven attacks and had also that started a whole string of international attacks. Centered along uh, Islamic extremism, and again, again, we have to be careful, because you know the you know when when a, a Republican or or a conservative uh, such as myself talks about Islamic extremism, that becomes well, G.P. Mac talks. He says he hates is Islam or something like that. It gets totally. Um, deranged, like they just totally divorced from reality. Uh, But that's what they do because they don't have an argument that they can make themselves so they have to make your argument, they have to manufacture an argument that they can defeat because theirs can't defeat yours, so they have to manufacture one that they can defeat. And so that is um, I think really Uh, comes to to the heart of what we're talking about here. That they have an argument, you know, their argument basically in a nutshell is socialism or collectivism. That everybody, that, you know, it's anti-individual, it's uh, pro-collective, that everybody is a part of their race or part of their ethnicity. No one gets to be looked at as an individual. Everybody must be judged as a member of a race or a nationality or a religion um as the case may be no one There is no individual identity because what what we find is that when we look at uh people as individuals, we learn to ignore. some of our own prejudices even. You know we may think one way about a certain race but when we actually meet people of that race and encounter people of a certain race or a certain nationality and religion and they don't meet our expectations negative expectations or stereotypes so they don't act like the stereotype we have in their mind then we get to deal with them as individuals and we hope people also see us in the same way. We hope that people will treat us as individuals and not as a member of a race. You know, I want you to treat me as me. I don't want you to uh, treat me as, you know, the white race or the Christian religion or the American nationality. I want you to treat uh, me as me, as an individual. That's what I I hope, that's what I want to uh, give you, um, and that's why I hope in return you will the courtesy you will afford me. We believe in individualism, um, particularly if you've heard this um, podcast for any length of time. Uh, you know that I speak at length to the objectivism of Anne Rand and how she thinks of. Indivi- in terms of individualism versus collectivism and so that's what I'm talking about here is uh, people individuals being judged as individuals not as a member of a race or a member of a religion or any sort of party or whatever you know because the fact is that you know I believe that you know when you die you're going to be judged you know you're going to going to go to those pearly gates and you're going to go as some of us believe in front of St. Peter or whomever or God himself or Jesus and you're going to be uh, judged not as a member of your race you're not going to be judged as a Caucasian or as an American you're going to be judged as JP or Sam or Ann or Mark, or Juan, or whomever, where you are going to be judged as you, and it's only you that has to endure the internal punishment or the internal reward. Um, if you believe that, of course, if you don't believe that, you don't have to worry about. It. But um, for those of us who do. know we don't want to be judged we don't expect to be judged for what our fathers did much less what our entire race did I mean could you imagine if every Asian was um, judged upon what the Mongols of the 13th century did Um, no Um, likewise would you want to be judged as maybe the British of the 18th century or whatever or you know judged of you know China of well, 21st or 20th century or the Germans of the mid or early 20th century would you want to be judged as a German or would you want to be judged as an individual well, of course you want to be judged as an individual. Um, and that's the way it should be but the left believes and collective reward and collective punishment and that you are simply a member of your race or your religion or your ethnicity or your nationality okay everybody has to be part of a group and no one has an individual identity okay that's one of the distinguishing characteristics between the left and the right is the reliance on individualism in judgment of people. Okay, but again, trying to get off my soapbox, at least on that subject, a little bit. And back on how the left talks about things like language. And so now that we've talked a little bit about what the left does with language, Particularly in this case, when they talk about racism or white supremacy, what are they talking about? Well, specifically when they're talking about white supremacy, well, as I as I mentioned, I think earlier, what they're usually mean is now we talk about white supremacy, its actual definition of whites being supreme, reigning supreme over other races and other races being inferior and that's the common understanding of most people have but the left kind of has their own coded language that allows them to talk in ways and broaden out who they decide gets called a racist or white supremacist because they want that to be as many people as possible they don't want to be just people who burn crosses or wave Nazi flags. No, they want to be every Trump voter, every Republican. They want to be able to explode that definition upon every conservative or every Republican or every Trump voter or, or every DeSantis voter or whoever is going to be the nominee. But um, So they want to impose a, a term and in, but in their mind okay so this gets a little bit deep and complex but try and follow me here in their mind when they're talking about white supremacy um it's what we understand as white supremacy you know the, the whole inferior race thing but also it's like white supremacy plus and so what they mean what comes in as a plus is basically all of Western civilization. Now that's not an exaggeration. Um, Again what are the highlights um, main highlights of Western civilization? Well it is uh, free market capitalism which of course they hate, they want socialism so they're against that. They Uh, Western civilization is for basically enlightenment theory, you know, the the rule of law and the idea of natural laws that our rights come from our Creator. Well, that obviously interferes with what they want. They want the rights to come from the state and if you believe your rights don't come from the state, they come from a Creator, then they have to destroy that Creator. If you believe in God, Um, in particular they have to destroy that God or the religion around that God. So they have to destroy that. And then also you have again with that comes the Judeo-Christian religion. As I mentioned our system of laws and where we get our objective morality saying that this is wrong, this is evil, and this is good. And that certain things, you know, murder is always wrong. And and life, you know, providing for life is always good. And so you get things like in the pro-life or anti-life or pro-choice movement, you get that argument there. You know, we believe that ending an innocent life, which we believe a fetus is, you know, we believe that's wrong, and they don't want you to believe that, because that interferes with other things they have in mind for society. And so our belief in that is a problem for them, and they need to get rid of it. So, anyway, what they believe is... So that's why they don't like um, the Western civilization in general, because it has a... Um, It's capitalist, it's free market economy, Um, obviously, you know, there's always room for improvement and we can always do, you know, there's always crony cop capitalist and things like that that we have to watch out for. But basically, free market capitalism um, is the best way. It's raised more people out of poverty than any other economic system in, in the history of the world, and that's just a fact. Um... Whereas doing the opposite, particularly going the opposite direction after being a capitalist in particular and going into the direction of fascism or statism or communism or socialism, that hurts life, that ends life. And of course um, in the 20th century we've lost um, somewhere around 100 million human beings to these leftist ideologies, these collectivist ideologies. And so right there is you know example of the evil of collectiv- collectivism. Just you look at the uh, 20th century and know that all you know, most of the wars from you know 19 I guess 1929 on were collectivists versus individualists or capitalists. And so anytime, that the collectivists succeeded even for a while like the Nazis did or the Soviets did or uh, later on the um, Maoist Chinese would. You know millions upon millions of people would die. Uh, There'd be genocide like the people in in Ukraine under the Soviet Union, under Stalin. So you had genocides and then genocides against the Armenians and all all of that is all um, the results of collectivist ideology being enforced and forced upon people and of course you have all the problems in Latin America with Venezuelans in the late 20th century early 21st century and up until today of course lots of people have died Uh, much more people have died in the name of collectivism than have in say in the name of nationalism or mercantilism or any other ism that you want to talk about, and so most, you know, the the uh, the socialists and the communists have a huge body count that can be attributed to them, and so we should never shy away from the fight because we know where that leads. Whenever. Um, you know, they can make it, you know, seem like a kinder, gentler form of communism, but it always in the end, because it's counterintuitive, counter, I guess, human nature, counter to all human nature. It has to be, there has to be force, whether it's uh, you know the jackbooted thugs, like you would see in you know typical fascism, and or the pogroms you would see in like Maoist China or the mass incarceration, the Gulag Archipelago, like in the old Soviet Union, mass incarceration and mass uh, slave labor, you know, that all comes from uh, collectivism because it's counter uh, human intuition or human nature. And that's why it fails, right? So they, they know that they have a failing argument and they have a very bad track record. So they have to, first of all they want to blame part of that on someone else. So they'll take like all the fascism and they'll lay it on the right. And they'll pretend like there's no socialist element to fascism. They'll pretend like the Nazis weren't the National Socialist Party of Germany. And they'll they'll pretend and try and convince you of all of these things, and of course that's all gaslighting. And so when that doesn't work, or when that, um, that you know class warfare doesn't work for them, then they go on to other means of warfare. One of is uh, race warfare that that they use. And so that's where they come with this expanded definition of racism, you know, our racism to them is not just, you know, not believing in the superiority or inferiority of one race over another, and not simply not um, proactively resisting our racism and not being racist and not being discriminatory or derogatory against other races, you actually have to be pro the other race. And if, you know, you know, like say some legislation comes up that's going to benefit one race over another, you know, if it's one of their favorite, favorite races, then you have to be anti-racist. You can't, it's not enough just to not believe in racism you have to be proactively uh supporting what they believe is the trajectory that you should go in which of course is not always the correct one as we've seen um like in the 20th century with you know with LBJ and the war on poverty and and some of the, th- the you just look in the inner cities today in the failure of the inner cities and the school system and you can go on and on about you know how these blue cities and blue states have failed their citizens, particularly their minorities. But so they don't have a good track record so they have to make up a bad track record for their opponents. Or they have to lump in Republicans or you know what they call MAGA Republicans, Trump supporters in with the Ku Klux Klan or neo-Nazis make them seem like they're all one big group when they of course are not. And so to them they have to expand their racism so you just you know again it's not just not worrying about race you know or treating people everybody the same or trying to uh, treat everybody the same. If you're not actively um, doing things for a specific race, to benefit a specific race in a specific way, if you're not actively doing these things, then you're called a racist. It's not enough to say, you know what, I'm going to treat everybody the same. Um, Basically, another way of saying, if you're not treating certain people better then you're not for those people. You it's not enough to not mistreat people. You have to treat people better than you would treat your own group, basically. That's what that that is in a nutshell what racism is. And so when they're talking about white supremacy, getting back to the original subject, they're they're talking about all of Western civilization. So again, all of the things that come with it, the Judeo-Christian values and objective morality, okay, that that's part of Western civilization. Um, also the idea of one person, one vote, uh, democracy, you know, it's been done to different degrees in all parts of the world from Native Americans to some parts of Asia but really took root and really was able to blossom with the Greeks And, and classical Greeks. They introduced the idea of democracy and of course we refined that because we discovered well no democracy really isn't that great because that can just be, you know, two wolves and a sheep deciding what's for dinner. And, of course, you know, you know, the two wolves are going to have their choice and the sheep is going to have a very different idea of what should be on the menu that day. And so that's the, the problem with demac- um, direct democracy is that, you know, Two, two wolves and a sheep deciding, taking a vote on what's for dinner tonight. And so the founding fathers saw that problem and also, you know, in the ancient Rome they, they saw that, detected that problem to, a, I guess a lesser degree. And so they developed this thing called a republic or representative democracy where you vote for people who represent your interests. So you don't vote directly for your own interests you vote for someone who broadly represent um, more often than not your interest. may not um, be in line with your interests 100 percent of the time but if this person agrees with you 80 percent of the time and this person 20 well you're going to pick the person who agrees with you 80 percent. And so that's the idea of representative democracy and how a republic is made up and of course you know we have a constitutional republic where our highest law is the United States Constitution. There's no law, you know, uh, save God law, God's law perhaps above that law but it is the supreme law of the nation. And so we are a constitutional uh, republic that has democratic feature. Now the Democrats know that um, they like the idea because they think they or they want to be on the side of the two wolves and they see you as sheep and so the, yeah they're quite happy when they believe they're the wolves to decide what's for dinner what's on the menu and so that's why they concentrate on things like democracy and they're talking about democracy democracy and democracy and democracy must be saved it's like no the republic must be saved the republic is what keeps us free the republic is what keeps us in americans in the united states um under the the rule of law and the republic is what keeps the idea uh, all men are created equal and that all men are equal under the law, and of course that includes women too. So, you know, everybody, you know, we have to say these things because other people are duplicitous, and we know how they think. And so, anyhow, so we we believe our republic is what keeps us um, one law for everybody, high and low, and the idea of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness and that there are certain rights that are inalienable rights that come from the Creator and that the job of government is to protect the people, the citizens, from the government from infringing upon those rights. That is what the Enlightenment thinkers and the the founding fathers of this country believed and that's the sort of republic they set up that's, that is a form of government that they set up, which is at odds, again, with what what the left wants. And so having a poor track record now, because we can look back at the 20th century, and we can see what communism does, and we can see what free market capitalism has does, and there's really no comparison when it comes to raising people out of poverty. And of course, but unfortunately there's always an e- uh, unequality because a lot, another element of Western civilization is meritocracy, which is something that the left wants to, to um, do away with, the idea of meritocracy. So getting back to the thesis is when they are talking about in broad terms white supremacy, or Christian nationalism, or using all these buzzwords that they like, understand that their true enemy, their true thing um, that they're talking about isn't actually racism. It is all of Western civilization. The republicanism, the uh, meritocracy, the uh, free market capitalism, all of that, that is what they're talking about. And of course, just to walk you real quickly, just to to end this um, sermon or speech or whatever um, lesson, I like to think, um, just to end with this, I'm going to walk you through the rationale. And understand, this is what the left's, this is how a Democrat or a leftist can call someone a black man like Larry Elder the black face of white supremacy. This is how they can intellectually square that circle, okay? And so, Western civilization came about originally in Europe, okay? It came from the Middle East, it came from Rome and then it was kind of imported into the um superimposed or or adopted by the members of the European continent and it evolved over time into what we know now as western civilization so you know we have a certain style of architecture we have universities and we have democracy and republics and we have um banks and we have um money and we have um all of these things and of course it's all influenced by the um mainly by the christian religion even if you don't if you're not christian it's all influenced by the judeo christian um um, beliefs and so it's all powered by that, and, and all all of these things obviously keep the um, you know particularly the, the, the um, free market uh, capitalism part of it. Combine when you combine it with the Judeo Christian um, mentality or or um, you know morality the. the um, the non-subjective morality that we have in for in the Judeo-Christian tradition, um, you know, the objective morality is no good for them. If you if you can say this is bad and this is evil, that doesn't do the leftists any good. You know, particularly if they can't convince you that this evil thing is good and this good thing is evil, which they're also trying to do, right? So they believe that all of this Western civilization, it evolved and took root in Europe and now European and it spread to North America originally and South America also a little bit. um, But mainly, mainly um, it's I guess purist form, it's in uh, Europe and in North America. And it is, you know, the Europeans, when it was all being formed were white, were white people. And so that is, when they're talking about white supremacy, they're talking about the white Europeans that began and adopted what, and evolved into what we call Western civilization. That is what they're against. So when we're talking about whites, we're talking about individual whites or groups, small groups of whites. They're talking about Europeans, and the Europeans were predominantly white people, and that's how they arrive at white supremacy. And and how they understand white supremacy in a way that we don't is how they, they... interpret that to be virtually all of Western civilization, because the Europeans were white, and therefore the Europeans and the later the Americans adopted this civilization based on upon certain economic principles and certain moral principles uh, and things like that. And so that is how they arise. So when they talk about white supremacy or, or, or systemic racism understand that they're talking about Western civilization, okay? They're not talking about some idiot in Alabama or some place, you know, uh, burning a cross or waving a, a Nazi flag. They're not talking about just that person, and they're talking about that person and the greater civilization that he or she came from. And that's what they problem, they have a problem with the entire civilization that just happened to be uh, what we call uh, Western European or American civilization. And so that is how, that is the mental gymnastics that they go through. And you have to understand that in order to combat it and not fall into that trap and say, you know, you're talking about white supremacy. What exactly, you you have to pin them down, what exactly do you mean by that? and make them, um, specify and say, no, that is, that is not white supremacy, or that is white supremacy. Okay. That is really, that is, I guess, the value, hopefully, of what of all of this I've been talking about for the last hour. So I am going to leave it there. Um, we've kind of, um, went over this subject pretty exhaustively and um, we're out, out of time so I want to thank you for watching and listening and welcome to season four of the LR Podcast Liberty Relearned.com and Liberty Relearned online and on Facebook and at LR Podcast on Go. so thank you Until next time, stay healthy, happy, and free. I want to say to all you mothers out there, Happy Mother's Day.